is the Stagger Podcast. Welcome into the Stagger Podcast. I'm JD Smith. He's Derek Smith on the road, on the phone. What's up, buddy? You ready to talk What's some racing? Man? I am. I'm, I'm taking a break from selling houses. I'm ready to ready to talk some racing, man. There you go. Yeah. Derek's a realtor. So if you're in Ohio and you need a realtor, <laughs> hit us up. Get in the DMs on Twitter at Stagger Podcast. Right. And you can, now I got to Now I got to cash app you for like, what, $100? <laughs> that's the spot hit? Yeah, that's Jeez. my read. For, that's that, at least that. Probably more. I got a big rate for uh, all my live reads <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Especially for, actually, that's the family non-discount. That's what you get. You get actually charged more as a family member. <laughs> <laughs> it's, an, it's an investment in the in the, in the in the company, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk some, clearly, Atlanta. There's tons of action there. We're going to talk about uh, Ryan Blaney getting the W. We are going to talk about the Noah Gregson incident. Uh, we're also going to talk Sebring, a great race at Sebring this weekend, and a ton of different things to take away from that race. So lots to get into there. Let's talk about Atlanta. First of all, I am so sick of hearing the term "huckabuck." If I have to hear that one more damn time, <laughs> God, what, what, why what do they what, all okay. say that, Lee? Why was right. it constantly like "huckabuck"? I tell you, they "huckabuck" around it. Hey. Like God, Lee, I don't need to hey. hear that word anymore. What do you hate more, that or Larry McReynolds' cheese grater <laughs> on the tires? <laughs> Dude, I I can't. I think it was I think it was our guy Brian Murphy who was saying that, who works for Stuart Haas, where he was like, other racing series they have very technical explanations of what's going on. We got a guy like with a cheese grater. Like why do why do they do that? I don't. We understand that the tires get degraded and that stuff comes off of them and. Yes. Racing surfaces are abrasive. Like these are words that that humans can understand. If you just say well, the surface is abrasive, it wears out the tires quickly. And then, by the way, they they have how many years in a row have they shown the tires? Like, look at this tire when it came off. It's down to the cords almost. You know, it's like okay, you can show us that. It. That's an easy way to visualize. You don't yeah. need Larry Mack there with a cheese grater because, by the way, that's not what is actually going on at the tire. It's not no. quite that abrasive. It's it's abrasive, but not like that. Right. I mean, because if that was the case, you'd have an Indianapolis Brickyard 400 debacle all over yes, again. Yes, Where every six, six laps you're coming in for tires because they, they're chewed up that bags they were a wrong compound. But, I mean, if you look at uh, Jan Bikis with NBC Sports Network and, and you know, and I'm, and other other commentators that have raced, they, they talk the technical stuff when it comes to a chance for them to go away. Now, if you have a cutaway car, that's pretty cool, I understand, given the – the 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 COVID situation still ongoing. We can't really be at the track with the cutaway car. Those are always cool, but at the same time, it's like, let's do better. I can't. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Do we can, with, we with can do better. IndyCar. Absolutely. At, like, yeah. Even even. Gosh, if you watch like NR, NHRA sometimes, those, those guys that comment, they're they're looking at engine blocks while guys are tearing off you know cylinders and things like that, and they're able to to go in and talk some technical about what happened here, why it blew up, and this and that, and they they need to get this done in thirty minutes before the next round. Like, yeah. that's cool. It's I, just like, I don't crazy. understand. I don't understand why. And by the way, Larry Mack and Daryl Waltrip back in the day, early mm -hmm. on when those two were paired up, they used to get into like actual technical discussion. And they, you know, they did a really good job of breaking that stuff down. But I think it's just a product. And I hope this doesn't happen to, you know, some of the guys who are really good at technical analysis now, some of the drivers who are doing it. I hope in 20 years, you know, Joey Logano is not just sitting there like, well, well you know, you got to. You know, got to run the race and 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 hit the hay and high wide and tie handsome or whatever. Hug like a bug. I, hug a bug. Like I hope I hope that's not happening to those guys eventually. Like, come on, man, that's just 
that's just a little broadcasting annoys me. By the way, we are going to hear high, wide, and handsome about a million times between now and Sunday evening when yeah, I do like Mike done. Joy. Yeah, do like Mike Joy though. Mike Joy though, high, wide, and handsome. Yeah, right, yeah. Jeff. And then he forgets that Clint Boyer was racing last year. <laughs> That was pretty great. Where he's like, I don't think either of you guys ever had to show up to the racetrack and not and not qualify and not practice. And Clint's like, I I raced in this series last year, man. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, there was also a point in the race where I think the uh, Kyle Larson was he was he was passing like I don't know uh, one of the Rick Ware racing cars. Yeah, and he co- totally talks about it. and Kevin Harvick going you know struggling to get his lap back. Uh, and as, uh, as Larson passes the Rick Ware car, it's like, he just, he, I mean, he caught it and good for him, but it's like, yeah. man, like, come on, man, don't be slipping. There's yeah. so many Adam Alexander's out here just chomping at the bit, ready to take that seat over. Just come on, keep it up. Yeah. And they got Adam, Adam Alexander out going to, you know, brunch places and getting fried chicken before the race. They, he's not, he's too busy to actually go call the race. They can't have him doing that. No, yeah. uh, where's Lee Diffie? Let's just let's just do it right. <laughs> let's get the voice of Formula One in America back. Yeah, let's do I, it. I do like Lee Diffie on the NASCAR broadcast. I wish they. I, I hope they'll do that more often on uh, you know on the NBC side of things. Worst thing Formula One ever did is goes to go to the Sky Sports feed. I know. I, I mean, I I, know. I, I I get it. F F one. Sorry. Uh, worst thing they ever did because while those guys are entertaining and while I do enjoy that, it was great to have Matchett, Hobbs, and Diffie with uh, with. Um, Oh gosh, now I'm blanking on the pit pit guy, Will Buxton. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the dream team if mm-hmm. I've ever seen one in, in racing broadcasting. And man, it's gone. It, it, yeah. I wish that was the case. Yeah, I know. By the way, going back to going back to high, wide, and handsome for a second. What's the opposite of that? Because that's what we are on this show. Would that be like uh, low, narrow, and ugly? I think that's what that's uh, no, <laughs> that's what we low, are. Narrow, no low, wide. It would still need to be wide, though, for us. But low, <laughs> yeah, low wide, and da- low wide, and and hairy. I guess I don't know. <laughs> low wide and hairy. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't ever. Oh man, I tell you what, they're getting huckabuck. Low, narrow, or low, wide, and hairy. Like what? Let's go to the Johnson what? Tower and see what the fans are talking about here. Lower Johnson. Which, which drive? <laughs> yeah, Lower Johnson in Atlanta. Which uh, driver currently? Well, not currently, all time. I'd say. Probably Jimmy Spencer. Jimmy Spencer might have been Jimmy Spencer. Low, yeah, he, low, wide, and hairy. Maybe I think. I, I, I think. I mean, yeah, he does strike me as someone who would have gotten his chest waxed, though. That's um, true. Well, he. Yeah, I don't know. He seemed. That's fair. He might have been actually. Maybe hairless. that's why know. the crying towel was invented. Because <laughs> you know he he had you know yet he, he had to do what you had to do. Yeah, to he was just getting waxed, and then he had to cry into the towel. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, you never know. Um, just to just to further age us, let's talk about the history with Ryan Blaney. Getting the victory at Atlanta. Congratulations to him. An yep. awesome drive by him. Um, and let's talk about the history of 20 years ago, what that was, if you missed all that. Uh, Ryan Blaney gets the W. We'll talk about him passing Kyle Larson in a second. But his dad, Dave Blaney, the Buckeye Bullet, our guy, 20 years ago, 2001, at Atlanta, he was one of the better cars in the field that day. He led like 70 laps in the Amico 93 Dodge, one of my all-time favorite paint schemes, one of my all-time favorite cars. I loved the Dodge Intrepids when they ran those back in the day. And he was really good at that track and really good on that day. And then he came in because he had a loose wheel and he said, I feel a vibration. I'm coming in, came down. They said, yeah, you got a lug nut missing. That's crazy. So he comes in, 
gets that taken care of, goes out a few more laps. Mark Martin blew an engine. And so he, as as his engine blew, Dave Blaney was coming back to pit road because he had felt this vibration again. He's like, you still didn't get the left the left rear on correctly. So he was coming down pit road. He pulls out of pit road, doesn't actually go into the pits because the caution was coming out. He didn't want to get stuck on pit road. As they're going around under caution, his wheel just falls off and completely ruined his day. He ended up finishing 20 laps down, and mm. but he was a dominant car in that race 20 years ago. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, 2001, Atlanta, I think we know how that ends. And so I went back and double checked. That's the race when Kevin Harvick and Jeff Gordon, where Harvick won in the 29 Goodwrench, the first one. <laughs> that's that race. So yesterday, wow. as everybody was talking about that, I was like, wait, isn't that the Kevin Harvick, Jeff Gordon finish? And it is. It's the Cracker mm-hmm. Barrel 500 or whatever it was. You can go watch highlights of it. But yeah, wow. He had a terrible day, did uh, the Buckeye Bullet that day. But if it was, if that wheel didn't fall off, we may not have had one of the greatest finishes in NASCAR history. So uh, not that I wanted it, to see him lose, yeah. but it's right. just interesting the symmetry there. It's one of those like butterfly effect things. Like, you know, does the sport heal as fast without the, the, the old three team winning? Right. Race, I don't you know, know. A couple weeks after Dale's death. I mean, uh, the lasting image of that is Chocolate Myers with a Breathe Right strip on, bawling his eyes out, yes. understandably so. Yeah. And I just remember like that was like, wow. I mean, and it was one of the best finishes in NASCAR. Forget all the context of it. One of the best finishes ever door to door coming into the, that odd shaped dog leg that actually paid off for once. Yeah. I was like, if it wasn't for that dog leg, we wouldn't have had that great finish. Um, and you had a lapper. Been- you had a lapper right there off turn four that. Yep. Jeff Gordon had to like swing around him. And maybe if that lap car wasn't there, Gordon, because he had yeah. like as soon as they crossed the finish, start finish line, Gordon gaps him by like a car. Like it would have he might have just run away with it if it wasn't for that lap car. But that made it a great finish. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, and one of those things that just makes you realize when you go to a, a race with with a great finish, don't rush off to the car. You'll sit in traffic later. Soak that in. Enjoy oh, yeah. that because yeah. there's so much that goes into a, a, a if you get to see a, a side-by-side photo finish, just just relish in that and, and and soak that energy and that that all that in because there's so much that had to happen to make that take place. Yeah. Because yeah. if NASCAR could engineer that every race, they would. And sometimes they've tried in the past. Yeah, they and have. It just doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so just yeah, I mean that that's just so crazy that yeah, Blaney didn't have all those issues with a lug nut. Um, maybe if, if Justin Fiedler was the, was a tire changer back then, if he was, you know, old enough to do that back in the day, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been that problem. You never know. Yeah. It sucks too. Cause in the broadcast, they were saying it might've been a problem with like the actual stud, like the actual yeah. wheel hub might've just had an issue. Cause to have it happen once is just a mistake to happen to happen twice and have yeah. it be that severe. It seemed like there was something wrong with that wheel stud. So that just, yeah, terrible luck for uh, Dave Blaney, but they got the, they got the, the win, not quite on the actual anniversary, but the anniversary of the running of that race it was the March race for Atlanta. I think that was the 11th of March. This is obviously the 21st. So pretty close, though, 20 years to the, almost to the day. Ryan Blaney gets it done. Um, I was really impressed with him and really with, impressed with the maturation of Ryan Blaney because of the fact that you know what Atlanta is. You know you got to save your equipment. You know you can't use it all up. And Kyle Larson... Uh, was a dominant car. He led 269 laps yesterday. 269 laps. Blaney led 25. Denny Hamlin led 27. 
I think that like yeah. Suarez led a lap or two. Byron led a lap or two. That was like about it. Like I'm just saying he, he dominated. He dominated and and finished second because his equipment wore out at the end. Although if you hear Kyle Larson tell it, <laughs> he, he he kind of blamed Joey Logano for that by saying, "Man, I hate Joey Logano." Uh, but I don't I don't think you can blame Joey Logano there. You have to blame yourself for not handling your equipment better. Ryan Blaney did. His car was there at the end. It came around for the long run. He knew that. Good drive by Ryan Blaney and a great win for him. So what you're saying is don't take Joey Logano at Bristol this weekend because Kyle Larson may be out there saying, I'm in the playoffs. I don't care. This is my turf. And if I can't win this race, Joey Logano certainly isn't. Well, going to. I'll tell you this. I don't think. I don't think uh, Kyle Larson is going to be too afraid of contact at Bristol to that point. Yes. Like, I don't think yes. he's going to be afraid to door uh, Joey Logano anyone. if he sees well, anyone. anyone yeah, but I'm saying, yeah. like, if he's running up on Joey Logano and it's a battle for position late in the race, no question Kyle Larson has the skill in a dirt car. I know they're, they're different because this is not, you know, his normal thing he drives, but we've seen him in the trucks. He knows how to put those cars within an inch of where they need to be. He will he will absolutely have the skill to put Joey Logano up or whoever into the fence without wrecking himself and get the position if he needs to. I don't think he's just going to do it for nothing. But if it's five laps to go and he catches a first or second place, Joey Logano. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. That that will happen. No doubt about it. But mm. yeah, it was it was great to see uh, Ryan Blaney get the victory. We're happy for him. Yeah. Always, always when, when fans we, of him. When are we going to start calling him adult Ryan Blaney? <laughs> Like, well, he's not young. Like, You're right. He's not young Ryan Blaney anymore, but he is not like he's, he's not veteran. 30 than 20. How about how, how about he's young adult Ryan Blaney? Like the books that are that come out, like the Twilight young series. Adult. He's Y-A-R-B. How about he's Yarb. 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 What? <laughs> Yarb. Young or you, or you could also just turn that. No, you could just go young adult Ryan Blaney. Yarb. That's good. Uh, we've got Blaney, Larson. Bowman with a top three finish. Good run for Alex Bowman. He had a little tweet saying, finally, everything worked out for once. We didn't have any issues. So, hey, he's top three. Good speed there out of the Hendrick cars. Obviously, those two, second and third, you'll take that if you're Rick Hendrick and William Byron also getting a top 10 for the Hendrick cars. So he was uh, finished eighth. So, yeah, they were doing pretty well. Uh, Kyle Busch with a top five. That's notable just because mm -hmm. of the issues they've had all year. He had some speed early in the race. Didn't quite hold it all all week, but... Or all race, but he was good. And Chris Busher, I wanted to highlight him. He got a seventh place finish there. Good for Chris Busher. Good for that team. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's good for Chris Busher, and he's one of those people that continues to just quietly get top ten, top fifteen every single week. And you're starting to think with Newman having a good run too. Is this the is this finally the year that that Roush Fenway turns that corner? Now they got us that ownership stake from LeBron James. Maybe that brings the greatness, and they're striving for greatness now. Who knows? LeBron um, James. Yeah. LeBron James, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I I hope that – I mean, I would love to see Ross Fenway be uh, a Ford contender, and pretty much everyone outside of Penske this year has had a little bit of a rough go with it. Um, the Stuart Haas cars are not running as, as well as they have been, and, I mean, obviously, Michael McDowell won the – won the uh, opening Daytona 500 of this year. But, I mean, that's anyone can win that. Any car that is has, you know, four tires on it and all the fenders, sometimes not even that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. it was a good run there. And 
certainly think uh, you've got some speed coming for those Roush Fenway guys. So yeah, two, uh, both of those cars were top 15. Like you said, Newman was 13th. So yeah, very good day for them. Guy who didn't have a good day, Chase Elliott had an engine blow, which uh, is something you'd rarely see anymore. Um, but that is some bad luck for the number nine team. But I was thinking when we were talking about that 2001 race, just real quick, let me run down this list of names for you. That race that Dave Blaney had the tire fall off and Kevin Harvick and Jeff Gordon had the great finish. Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, Sterling Marlin, Matt Kenseth, Mike Wallace, Mark Martin, Kyle Petty, and Steve Park all had engine failures on that day. Remember that when it was just like totally common to have five yeah. or ten cars blow an engine at a race? Because you- they're, dying, they're, they're, they're so on that edge to get that all that speed. And they're not built for reliability. It was the, I mean, it was the year of, I mean, gosh, it's like, it was like NASCAR stimulus package year. I mean, they just like, like those years in the early two thousands and late nineties money was pouring in. You said, I'm a NASCAR driver and companies would throw millions of dollars just to slap their logos on the car minus no activation, no social media. It was a different time. So yeah, NASCAR yeah. teams were flush. So they would just say, Oh yeah. Two engines a race weekend. No problem. No problem. Like, yeah. No problem at all. It's different and, now. They very, have a qualifying motor now. and a race motor. Oh yeah, yeah. That rule change was a big deal when they finally said no, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, that was yeah. huge. It was a. It yeah. definitely was for sure. So just saying, like seeing Chase Elliott have that happen, it was like, oh yeah. Remember when that always happened, where guys just blew engines like almost every week? It was just you're gonna have two or three guys go out of the race because of that. You don't see it nearly as much anymore. So that's a good thing for NASCAR. Um, let's yes. let's switch gears here. Let's talk about the Xfinity race, um, which. You know, that that was a the race itself was fine. I, by the way, before we get into the controversy, what do you think of the calls to repave Atlanta? Are you for that or against that? Because I've, I've seen some interesting comments from Todd Gordon, crew chief for the number 12 car, Ryan Blaney, that just won. But I want to hear from you first. Do you think they should repave Atlanta? Let's say they weren't going to reconfigure it. They're not going to build that hotel or casino. Should they repave it or should they leave it like this? Uh, unless you have grass growing up through cracks or anything like that, um, I would say go ahead and not repave it. Um, I would say go ahead and, and keep it as it is. Keep the track service because you can run on it and not have to – I mean, you just have such great racing there that it's something that we should definitely keep uh, as it is until it starts to fall apart. Honestly, well, here's, when, the, when you start needing Bondo like you did at Daytona, it's time to repave. Here, here's the thing, man. So – you, you hit it on the head right there. You said we have great racing there. And we have great racing, I think, for race car drivers, right? Like, you get to see the skill that it takes. Like, we're talking about with Ryan Blaney. He saved his equipment and got it to the end and then had everything left. And Kyle Larson kind of used up his tires. And he used them up in part trying to pass Joey Logano. And yep. instead of, you know, being smart about it and figuring out a way to to do that. And, and kudos to Joey Logano for helping his teammate out. That's what you're supposed to do. He doesn't have to give Kyle Larson just a free pass to go around him. He, he, he was a fast enough car to, it was difficult to pass. So he made it difficult to pass, but I, that's something that I think is interesting because Todd, uh, Todd Gordon was saying that he thinks for racers, it's great, but for fans, maybe 500 laps is too much or 500 miles is too much. You know, because yeah, you do get strung out if you don't have a lot of cautions, you don't have those restarts. I like this type of racing personally. I really enjoyed because I'm checking the lap times, you know, and I'm watching Ryan Blaney and I'm like, he's going to catch Kyle Larson. I thought that was I thought that was intriguing to me. That's it's not the same finish as having Jeff Gordon and Kevin Harvick dueling it out at the final lap. 
but it's still to me that's racing i enjoy it but i realize a lot of people don't so i for me i like it i would i would keep the track surface i know they probably won't they'll eventually repave it but it's it's a cool track i love it i hope they don't ever repave it but i'm sure they will at some point um we're gonna take a break we'll come back we will talk about the daniel hemrick and noah gragson situation also sebring tons of action there all of that next on the stagger podcast All right, welcome back to the Stagger Podcast. Derek had to drop off because, like I said, he is working today, and that's all right. I'll take you solo the rest of the way. So here's what we had happen in the Xfinity race. Number one, uh, we'll get to the controversy in a second, but kudos to Justin Allgaier. He got it done. Uh, got some help from the fact that Martin Truex Jr. was speeding off a of pit road, and that led to a penalty. He had to come through. Many had to you know, work his way back through the field, I think with only like 50 or 60 laps to go, but he made his way back and uh, was right there to take on Justin Allgaier. Part of the problem is when you do that, you use up your equipment. So uh, no no blame there on Truex. It's what he had to do. But he had a great car, just couldn't quite get to the front at the very end when it mattered. But yet again, a, a very good race car that didn't end up winning the race. I find that to be interesting. I know some people don't like the racing at Atlanta, but when you have two of the top series that are there, you know, with the Xfinity and the cup series where the dominant car didn't get the win because another car came through at the right time. I think that's intriguing. I think that's something to keep an eye on. We all hate it when someone is out by five seconds and they just win the race. It was cool to see Justin Allgaier get the victory there. And and he had a really strong car too. So kudos to him. Love seeing the guys who've been in the sport a long time like him get the job done. But of course the big deal that everybody's talked about after the race is the Noah Gragson incident uh, between him and Daniel Hemrick. So what happened there? Let's let's recap it. First of all, uh, Daniel Hemrick got into his pit stall and overshot it a little bit and had to be pushed back into his stall. That led to Noah Gragson, who was coming in, overshooting his pit stall, which was right in front of uh, Daniel Hemrick's. So as Noah Gragson was too far in his pit box, he had to back up. When he backed up, he backed all the way up and hit Daniel Hemrick's front of his car. And that was while the car was just about off the jack stand. Maybe, maybe had still been up on the jack. They had the tires on it at least. Thank goodness. But that situation did not result in any injuries to anybody, but it very well could have very well could have. And Noah Gregson obviously caused some damage to both cars and could have put pit crew members in jeopardy what if they were running around the front of the car when he did that that would have been an even different situation right like that would have been a guy getting pinned between two cars um and that's just it's a very dangerous situation when you have cars on pit road we talked to justin fiedler last week about that and you know it's it's a it's a job these guys all sign up for they love doing it but they are they are in danger when they're out there on pit road that's why they've had these pit road speed limits that's why these guys all have to wear fire suits now we know it's dangerous but still you can't be careless or reckless or whatever when that happens the thing that works against noah gragson is this at best at best what he did was just him not being able to control his car properly like, you can't back all the way into another car on pit road. Number one, you should probably never throw it in reverse in pit road. You should probably put it in neutral and let your guys push you back. But he didn't want to do that. That would take too long. So he sped back and hit another car. That number one is just, if it's carelessness, I think you should still get a penalty for that. 
I think if you can't control your car on pit road, not in a high speed situation where you're coming down the lane, someone pulls out and they bump you and spin you at 50 miles an hour. That's different. When you're sitting in your pit box, you have to control your car. Bottom line, you and if you back up, you if you touch another car instant to me, that's an instant penalty. Huge penalty should be assessed to that financially or otherwise. Maybe you sit down for a race because of the fact that you've got guys on pit road who could quite honestly be severely injured because of that action. Um, so, but if, but if it was not just him being careless, if it was him being pissed off and throwing his car in reverse to hit that car as he's trying to turn his car around, well, that's even worse, right? That's then obviously you should be suspended multiple races in my opinion. Now, NASCAR officials announced Sunday morning, they will not penalize Noah Graxon for his actions, ruling that the pit road contact between his car and Daniel Hemricks was unintentional. Again, I don't understand that. I don't care that it's unintentional. The fact of the matter is, it happened, and it's because of your carelessness and your the accident happening is still something that could have been prevented. This is not like a racing deal, you know, where you happen to just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is you not paying attention and doing something dangerous. To me, that's right. Like that would be the equivalent to that on the track. Obviously, it'd be at much higher speeds and much more dangerous. But the equivalent would be, you know. The, the lap cars that that cut sometimes in front of cars like we, we talked about with Quinn Howe a few weeks ago and we talked to him, right? Uh, it was an accident. He had a lot of things that happened there that, that caused him a miscommunication. But at the end of the day, you know, carelessness in some ways led to an incident and that's frustrating. So I could see that being a situation. You had guys calling for a penalty in that situation. You had guys wanting him thrown out of the series for that. And Noah Gragson, now you got all these people saying he shouldn't even have a penalty. And, and NASCAR apparently agrees with them. I don't. I think you should get penalized for that. They won't because one of the biggest teams in the sport. And obviously, you know, he's one of the most popular drivers in the sport. But yeah, that, that is something that I think if if a Josh Balicki does that in Cup Series to a to a, you know, content to Chase Elliott. Again, apply the Chase Dale Jr. scale. Apply that scale for Daniel Hemrick in this situation. If that was Chase Elliott or or Junior Mo- or Dale Earnhardt Jr. It was Junior Motorsports, right? So it was the other side. But if Dale Jr.'s car was the one getting hit, I wonder. I wonder what would have happened. Uh, which, by the way, that was a notable thing about the IMSA race. Dale Jr. was on the call for Sebring, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, <laughs> between that and Josh Berry running through the grass and having his just entire car exploded because he barely clipped the infield grass, I was like, man, Junior's going to have a lot to say about all that. You would think, but he was on the IMSA broadcast and probably had to, you know, focus in on what they were doing. So at any rate, would have been, you know, very interesting for him to have to sound off on that. And I'm sure he will on his podcast this week, which features Ryan Blaney. So if you're into that, you can listen to that as well. He doesn't need me promoting his podcast. I think he's doing fine on that. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things to talk about there. Um, Anyway, Noah Gregson, yet again, in the center of a controversy, not a surprise. This is who the guy is. And this is this is what's going to happen. He, he is. I think he's good for business, but I would I can understand why guys get frustrated with him, and I could totally understand why Daniel Hamrick after the race went over and tried to, you know, get to him, and after a while, blows were exchanged. I do think it was interesting that Noah Gragson threw the first punch. Like, Hamrick, Hamrick got in his face, grabbed him, yelled at him, and then Gregson threw a punch, missed, and then Daniel Hamrick did not miss and tagged him pretty good. So, it's whatever. The fighting will continue. The Xfinity Series has a lot of drama. Racing has a lot of drama. It's fun. 
And uh, either way, I don't I don't want to be the guy in the drama necessarily, but I enjoy watching it from afar. Let's talk about the truck series real quick too. Kyle Busch got his 60th win in the truck series in a dominant performance. Uh, not a surprise there. He had, you know, usually when he's in these races, KBM, they're pretty good. They know what they're doing and he knows what he's doing in those trucks. So uh, if you haven't paid attention to this, they brought this up before, but I'll just highlight it for those of you like me who kind of know some of this stuff, but aren't necessarily paying attention to it. Uh, Kyle Busch has 60 truck wins. That is by far the most in NASCAR truck series history. Second on the list is Ron Hornaday Jr., no longer racing, 51 wins. So he's already nine up on the second place guy who doesn't race anymore. Kyle Busch will still run more truck races. Mike Skinner's third with 28. <laughs> so he's he's lapped everyone up but first, basically, because he's got double the wins of everybody else on this list or more. Mike Skinner and Jack Sprague both tied with 28 wins apiece. But at fifth place, Johnny Sauter has 24 wins. Johnny Sauter is still running in the truck series and has been for a long time. That's your all-time winningest driver that is still currently active in the truck series. 24 wins. That is a full-time driver. Obviously, Kyle Busch is active in the series, but he has 60, and he is not a full-time driver. Then you go down. Matt Crafton is next on the list with 15 as far as active drivers go. Brett Moffat has 12. Timothy Peters has 11. Like th th These are your leaders in the truck series, all-time wins records of guys that are currently running. That is just incredible to me. Just puts in perspective what Kyle Busch is doing, okay? Kyle Busch is at 60 wins in the truck series, and he runs it part-time now. It's phenomenal. It's, it's, I understand people don't like him. I understand you may not like his personality, and that's all well and good. But if you say you wish for the days of Richard Petty, you know, <laughs> well, no, you don't if you don't like watching Kyle Busch win because that's what it was like rooting for Richard Petty back in the day. So that is definitely a, a thing to keep in mind as we talk about that. So let's talk about Sebring. Uh, specifically want to focus on the DPI class because there's a lot of things going on in that class from this race. Um, first of all, congratulations go out to the Mustang Sampling Cadillac, the number five team, which led 28 of the final 31 laps to win the 69th Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. That is the team that featured Sebastian Bourdais, Tristan Vautier, and Loic Duval. That is the all-French drivers crew. So congratulations to them. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. It was a, it was a fantastic ride by those guys. Um, but I think what's really impressive, if you're not aware of what Sebastian Bourdais was going through at the end of that race, uh, they had a restart with 15 minutes to go. And on that restart, the top element of the rear wing fell off, you know, one of the aerodynamic pieces of the rear wing. And so Sebastian Bourdais said after the race, quote, I found myself very small in the car because it was very, very difficult. When that happens, you usually stuff the car because you're going with your references. You lock the rears and you spin off. Thankfully, that element isn't too big and I managed to keep the car on the track. Now, let me read you the part of this quote that's insane to me. He said, initially, I thought it was oil or something because he didn't have any traction. So then I saw it wasn't oil because people were starting to catch me from behind. I started to play with the bars, front and rear, the brake balance, started to get my stuff together and hold off the competition that was a lot stronger behind me. Honestly, I have no idea how it worked out, but I'm so happy for my teammates and the whole organization. It's one of the biggest events of the season, one everybody wants to win. 
Think about that quote. This is a guy saying essentially that he was missing a part of the car and it was bad enough that people were catching him. So during the race, if you've never watched Sebring, if you watch this race, you know how fast they fly around there. And it's an extremely difficult track with all the bumps and everything else. So he's managing that. He's figuring out that something's wrong with his car. It's not leaking oil. And he's going to have to fix it in the car and adjust things to make the car balance better. He's doing all of that while he's trying to hold off people who are trying to pass him. Oh, and he's doing this at night with slower cars on the track. I, the amount of brain power it takes to be a driver in a series like that, where there are mixed classes, and then you've got all the other factors driving at night. It's, it's truly remarkable what these drivers do. And that is just a testament to Sebastian Bourdais and the skill that he brings to that car or any car he drives. He, he is truly one of the best to ever do it. Um, as far as road racing goes, uh, seriously great drive from him and from that whole team. And they worked their asses off because they were like two laps down at one point in this race and they still found a way to get back into it. Um, that's why it's 12 hours, man. You got to stick with it the entire time. Um, and I know that you could certainly look at, you know, this race and say, well, it really wasn't his race, right? It, it should have been the Chip Ganassi car, the 01, the Cadillac DPI, which was really good at Daytona. And then they had bad luck. They had a flat there that cost them. And then you could say, well, the second race of the year, Sebring, what happens? They run into the GTLM 25 BMW, uh, that was being driven by Connor de Filippi. Uh, so that's, that's horrible luck there. And I horrible luck. I don't know. I think they, Scott Dixon was the one driving at the time and he, he was trying to get to pit road and it was a late pit call and he didn't see that Connor de Filippi was coming through. And so he thought he had a clear inside lane to switch over and get into the pit lane. And he didn't, he was wrong. He got clipped and that ended their day broke a part of the, the suspension and they were done. But that team with Scott Dixon, Ranger Vanderzan, and Kevin Magazine, good lord, they were great. They like they they are a phenomenal team, and they are going to win multiple races this year. I feel like they are so strong right now, but they just keep having dumb bad luck. And they they've one of those was not their fault. One of them, obviously, that seems to be on the team. I don't know if you want to put that on the driver or the you know crew chief or whoever, but. That was that was obviously not ideal for them, um, but that 01 team is fast and fun to watch, and I am looking forward to seeing these cars, at least some of these cars anyway, at Mid-Ohio uh, in a few months because uh, they will be coming to my neck of the woods in May. So I'm excited to get out there and watch those races. Now, let's also talk about one of the other situations from this race that was really stupid to me. I can't believe that this happened, but... The 48 car, the ally car that, you know, Jimmy Johnson is a part of, um, that, that team obviously features some Simon Pagano as well. And Kamui Kobayashi, who was great. Uh, and, and right at the end was fighting the, the Mazda, um, the Harry Ticknell car. They, they were both battling it out in a great little battle there for second at the end of the race, but it didn't matter because that battle for second was only just going to be for the moment of holding a trophy. It wasn't going to be for the actual finish because the 48 team had overdone the amount of time that they were in the car uh, with Simon Pagano. He exceeded by like 50 seconds, the maximum drive time. You can't drive more than four hours in six hours in one stretch of time in that race. 
that's a rule from IMSA. And so they missed that by 50 seconds. They weren't paying attention. How do, or I don't know, paying attention, whatever they miscalculated somehow. How do you let that happen? How in the world do you let that happen? You've got Chad Knauss and Rick Hendrick there overseeing this whole project, trying to make this the best race ever. And they still had that issue. And of course, that's after Jimmy Johnson, you know, spun out, had a, had an issue where he, he wrecked early in the race, too. So it was just a rough day for them. But they are obviously a talented team. So what I'm saying is IMSA, these endurance races, a lot of talent up and down the field. It is fantastic. One other incident I wanted to talk about at Sebring before we wrap this up, uh, the controversy between a couple of drivers who are known as some of the best in the business, Pippo Durrani and Ranger van der Zanda. Uh, so Pippo Durrani was into an incident that I, I guess you could you could say it was caused by him. It was really caused by a third car we'll get to in a second. But Action Express, the red car, legendary, you know, they've they've been one of the best in the sport for many years. And Pippo Durrani is a three-time Sebring winner. He's a great driver in his own right. He and Ranger Van de Zanda got together at 45 minutes into the Endurance Classic when the two Cadillac drivers were approaching GTD traffic. Uh, they were on the turn 17 hairpin. And there's an inside wall there that it jumps out at you if you're not ready for it. So uh, Van de Zanda was on the outside, but moving towards the inside of the track because the Aston Martin from Heart of Racing, Ian James driving that one, he kind of pushed down a little bit into where, you know, the DPI was going on the inside of Ranger Van de Zanda. Well, that is where Pippo Durrani was also trying to occupy space. You could argue he was kind of there, but also maybe should have backed out and seen the faster car was ahead of him and had the line and there isn't room for three cars to go through in that fashion. Unfortunately, it worked out for Pippo Durrani that he clipped the inside wall and that broke, I think, a steering arm and a rear suspension leak. So they had to come in. They had to fix all that stuff. It was a mess. Um, but he, yeah, it was, a, it was a bad, bad go for them. So after that incident, you know, they get out of the cars and Van de Zand was asked on the broadcast, like, what'd you think of that incident? And he said about Pippo Durrani, quote, he, he thinks he can go over people instead of passing them in a nice way. I think he should be in horse jumping. He'd be a world champion. Um, he said in the last five, six races, we saw him doing all kinds of moves like this, moves like this. He said, I, I like the guy. He's a great guy to talk to, but on the track, he's just too wild. He was almost wiping out four cars in one time in that last turn 17 corner. I think for Pippo, he just needs to chill out. He's taken himself out far too many times now, and I just feel bad for that team. I think they have a fast car, the car to win today, but not so clever. Uh, Action Express engineer Tim Keene had a different view. Um, he thought that they should have called a penalty there on Van de Zand. He said it was too early in the race, being on cold tires. We had position on the 01. We felt he just turned us into the wall. So anyway, that I don't think that's going to go away. And right after that happened on the radio, Action Express, someone on the team said, I don't, we're not going to win this race, but there is no chance they're going to win this race. Basically saying like, we will for sure take their team out if we have a chance to. And then after, you know, later in the race, Pippo Durrani got interviewed and he said, oh, that was just in the heat of the moment. No one is actually going to do that. But keep an eye on that rivalry going forward because both those teams will be at the front at some point this year and there will be opportunities for the two of them to get together. And we have seen those rivalries transfer, not just within teams, but over the years uh, in IMSA where guys switch teams and the drivers still have rivalries that are you know boiling over so just something to keep an eye on there a lot of fun uh to watch and that was that was a good weekend of racing for me 
That was exactly what I wanted, right? We got some good action at Atlanta. We got the great finish at Sebring. Uh, there was plenty of dirt action at Bristol, which we didn't talk a lot about today. But trust me, we will have more to talk about with that later this week because that is where all the NASCAR series are going this weekend. They are running Bristol Dirt, and it is going to be wild. So get ready for that. We are excited to watch it and excited to talk to you about it. So stay tuned for opportunities to do that. Thanks again for checking out the Stagger Podcast. Till next time, stay safe and stay staggered.